Boy, isn't it a beautiful sight to look up here and to see young faces and to see the smiles and the joy that this time of the year brings. I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Isaiah chapter 64. Isaiah chapter 64. Last Sunday, believers all over the world started a season of the year that's known on everybody's calendar as Advent. Now, I know this morning a lot of us probably grew up not really paying much attention to that. But I think it's a pretty special time of the year that in our culture, when there's so much chaos and there's so much disarray and there's so much things that are not right, I think it's good for us to pause and to be reminded once again of how great and how beautiful the birth of Christ really is. Now, I think what happened in the church was this. We have grown up being told that, you know, December 25th is not the day that Jesus was born. And I understand that. It's probably not the time of the year. I get that. But I think what we've done for so long is we've gone to the extreme thinking that we just need to totally ignore it. And I have a real difficult time with that. Because while the rest of the world is focusing on Christ, my question is, as a church, why wouldn't we do that? And just because we do celebrate doesn't mean that we're giving allegiance that his birthday was December 25th. So I think it's okay that we can celebrate the birth and not really get caught up on what day it was. Because really, when you stop and think about it, the day really doesn't matter. Now, I know your birthday matters, but the day when Christ was born is really not that important. What's important is that he was born. And that he came into the world. And so to live between the comings of Jesus and to stop and think about the kind of people we ought to be is very, very good for the people of God to do. Advent comes from a Latin word that simply means coming. It anticipates the coming of Christ from two different perspectives. The season offers the opportunity to share in the longing for the coming of the Messiah. And we're going to look at that this morning from Isaiah. And it's also a reminder that for people today, we need to be ready. We need to be alert to the fact that Jesus is coming back. Or let's use the old song we sing, Jesus is coming soon. When we sing those words When we say soon, we don't know if it's today, we don't know if it's tomorrow, we don't know if it's 40 years from now. Again, the day doesn't matter. He's going to come like a thief in the night. But what really matters is, he is coming back. And so, it's good to celebrate that. I think it's also good, as a church, this time of the year, to be reminded and to recognize our need for the thing that could never, that we can never achieve 
on our own. You think about something this morning, church. We are dependent on God. Amen? Now, I know we love to be independent people, especially our teenagers. We love to get to that point in life where we have gained and grown into our independence. But you know what? We all are here this morning, and I want to remind this, you have to be dependent on God for life. You have to be dependent on God for the very thing that he offered us that nobody else can. And you know what it is? It's salvation. And so the coming of Jesus, every time I read the birth story, every time I sing the songs, and Alan, thank you for singing those songs this morning to remind us, away in a manger, Angels, we have heard on high. Every time I sing those songs and I'm reminded of the reading of the birth narrative, you know what I'm reminded of? I still have a sin problem. You still have a sin problem. But as we come to recognize our need for Jesus, we begin to realize God ushered in his son so that he could take care of the greatest problem that you and I will always have, and that is our need for a Savior. I want you to hear these words this morning in Isaiah chapter 64, and I want you to paint, I want to paint this picture in your mind over 2,000 years ago and, and beyond of what the people were thinking of. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, see what Isaiah says, you came down. And not only did you come down, but the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard. No ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You see, that's the importance right there. That's another reminder of what Advent is all about. It's that coming, it's that anticipation, it's that expectation that what you see right now is not good enough. What you see right here in front of you is not going to get it done. But there will be a day, God says, when I usher in my son that can take care of those things that can't be taken care of fully right now. And so Isaiah continues, you come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, You were angry. And look at this question that's posed. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who's unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins, yet you, Lord, are our Father. 
We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do you hear those beautiful words? Go back just for a second and look at that. We are the clay. You, God, are the potter. We are all the work of your hands. I want you to capture that in your mind this morning. And as you leave this place in a few minutes, I want you to remember that this week. That we are the work of the hand of God. Think about that. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. Your sacred cities have become a wasteland. Even Zion is a wasteland, Jerusalem a desolation. Our holy and glorious temple where our ancestors praised you has been burned with fire and all that we treasured lies in ruins. After all this, Lord, will you hold yourself back? Will you keep silent and punish us beyond measure? Wow. You see, for Isaiah, here's what he's saying in a nutshell. God must appear. For Isaiah, it is God has to come down. God, we are a wreck without you. We desperately need you to come down where we are. Boy, do we not need to cry that out today louder than ever? I mean, look at how far sometimes we get away from God and his will. And for today, it's like Isaiah is reminding us of what he prophesied over 2,000 years ago. The same thing has come full circle today, hasn't it? God needs to appear once again. And maybe it's that song, that hymn that reveals this desire of Isaiah and of people of all times for God to come down. Remember, we sing the song, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captured Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Again, that's the idea of Advent, that God is waiting at just the right time to send his best. But you know, the more that I read that from Isaiah, here's what I'm reminded of. Not only is this Isaiah's desire, it really needs to be our desire, doesn't it, church? God, won't you come on down? Because we need you. And so I wonder today, I know for a lot of people, they dread this time of the year. And I think the reason being is because there's so much hype, there's so much money that is spent. You realize how much debt our nation just continues to go into because of Christmas. And I'm not here this morning to spank us on anything like that. I want us all to have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and to enjoy all of that. But you know what? 
It's also a time of the year that we need to be reminded of what this is really all about. What life is all about. Man, did you see the kids this morning? Did you see the smiles on their faces? That right there is the best gift that any of us can ever receive. Just that smile from a little child to remind us as older people, we need to smile a little more. I dare some of you to smile at me right now. It does your body good to smile. It does us good. And so when we hear words like this this morning, I don't know about you, but I can't help but feel good about my God. I can't help but feel good about what he not only has done for me, but what he will continue to do every day of life. And so this morning, I want us to remember this. How many of you have already sent out Christmas cards and you probably put out the Christmas tree probably hopefully the day after Thanksgiving, right? How many of you put it up before Thanksgiving? Do I dare? Oh, some of you did. Okay. To go ahead and get it ready, right? That's okay. Knock your socks off. Whatever you need to do, do it. That's great. But through this time of year, some of you are laughing. That's good. Laugh about some things. But also remember this, at the time that we laugh, we also need to realize there are some around us who shed tears because this is a very, very hard time of the year. I know some that say, I don't even want to put up a Christmas tree. I don't even want to, don't even want to celebrate anything because it just, it just reminds us of so much. I spent some time yesterday with a friend in our community and he said, you know, he's my age. And he said, I never thought that I would say this. But he said, this year, Christmas takes on a whole new meaning for me. And you've got to realize, this guy left his wife in Dallas who almost died five days ago. Left her in Dallas to come back to work. He had to, to make ends meet. And he said, I really don't even want to be here right now, but I know I have to. But I long Sunday night to drive back to Dallas to see the one that I love. And he said, that right there is the best Christmas present that I could ever receive. That puts things back in perspective, doesn't it, church? And it helps us as Christians to realize over 2,000 years ago, Jesus came into the hearts of those who believed. And he's caused us to become born again. He enabled us to have the opportunity to become new creations and remind us in a text like this that Jesus will come back again and he's going to usher in the kingdom in all its fullness. And that is beautiful. And that, in proper perspective, is worth celebrating, not just today, but every day of life. Just circling up around your family and close friends is worth celebrating every day, right? 
We have some that come to this church and that travel 25, 30, 40 miles because they see in this church God at work. They see life happening. I praise God for that. Don't you? And I praise God that he has enabled us as we have done and as we are doing right now to just bow before him and worship him. But do you see what Isaiah says here? Something reminds him that the only, the reason that I really can't worship God the way that I want to, something was getting in the way. And do you see what he begins to do? He begins to confess and he begins to cry out before God. And we've got sin. And we're like filthy rags. He says, and we're like that leaf that just blows away. And he says, that's exactly what sin does in our life. But look at this. Confession is really a clearing house in order for us to seek the mercy of God. And so where in your life right now, what is it that you really need to confess? What is it before Almighty God that you need to bring to him and confess, God, here is what's not right in my life. And here's where I want to get right with you. Because when you confess that, it clears it out for you not only to see, but also to receive the mercy of God every day of life. I don't know about you, I need God's mercy. I need it every day. True confession washes away the arrogance of thinking that we can save ourselves. You realize that? Confession is really good for the soul. And so Isaiah reminds Israel and us that our own efforts to save ourselves does nothing but leave us like a filthy rag. And now I want you to hear from Jesus. And I want you to hear these words from the Gospel of Mark the second gospel that we read. I want you to read in perspective what Jesus says. But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels. We talked about angels this morning from Hebrews 1. He will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree, Jesus says. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. And even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it's near right at the door. And truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. And so heaven and earth, he says, will pass away, but my words will never pass 
away. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Again, that's not what's important. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Which leaves us here today doing one thing, and it's okay. Waiting in anticipation of his return. But I don't like to wait. Get over it. That's what you're called to do in this situation. Wait and anticipate that he's coming again. And more than that, get ready. Because what a great day that will be. And so this morning, here's some truths that we hold on to. We've got to recapture the sense of eager anticipation about the second coming of Christ, which was present in the early church. Let's listen to God calling us to look beyond today and tomorrow to the time and the truth that says he will come back. And so we've sung this this morning. We're reading about it. Here's some truths I want you to take with you today. They're real simple. He lives. He has come. He is down here with us. Let's say those together. He lives. He has come. He is down here with us. That is Emmanuel, God with us. Chinese scholar who was converted to Christ told this story. He said a man fell into a dark, dark, slimy pit. And he tried to climb out of the pit, but he couldn't. Confucius came along, and he saw the man in the pit, and he said, Poor fellow. If he'd listened to me, he never would have gotten there. And then he just went on down the road. Buddha came along, and when Buddha saw the man in the pit, he said, Poor fellow, if he'll just come up here, I'll help him. And he went on. And then Jesus came, and he said, poor fella, and he jumped down in the pit, and he lifted him up. God's good, isn't he, church? God knew that his son would need to climb down to this earth with us. And walk with us in this journey that we call life. And he does that in a beautiful way. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And that's what he wants to do with you every day of life. So this morning we're going to stand to sing a very familiar song, Have Thine Own Way. Isn't that a great message? God, we want you to have your way with us.
and for that image to be stamped on us for eternity. So if there's anything that we can do as we continue to worship and stand and sing this song, we invite you to come as we sing.